uh, we're studying the last six psalms of the uh, book of Psalms, and uh, they're all about praise, as we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Steve Kennedy gave us our message from Psalm 146 last Sunday. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and uh, the title of the series is called Six Reasons to Praise the Lord, and every week, every psalm gives us a different reason. Last uh, week, it was because God is our hope. That came out of Psalm 146. This Sunday, it's because it's all about him. And that's one reason, a big reason to praise the Lord. So it's my privilege to bring us this psalm this morning. Uh, the last five psalms of the book of Psalms are just an explosion of praise. It's all they are, just reason after reason after reason to praise the Lord and invitations to praise the Lord. Each of those psalms begins with the three words, praise the Lord, and it ends with the three words, praise the Lord, five times over. Psalm 146 right through to Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is just a crazy uh, 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 crescendo of praise to God, and uh, Todd will be preaching on that one, and you better pray for him that he doesn't hurt himself somehow, uh, <coughs> getting excited about Psalm 150. Anyhow, we're only in Psalm 147 today, and uh, we're going to find some good things in here, I trust, and that God's Spirit will guide us as we, uh, as we look through it. Uh, I've read Psalm 147 many, many, many times, and, uh, but it's good, you know, to be assigned a psalm to preach on, because then I get thinking, uh-oh, I, I got to get 30 minutes worth of material out of this psalm. I better dig deep and do some hard thinking and praying here, which you should do every time you read the Bible. In fact, sometimes I've read my morning selection from the Bible, my chapter or whatever, closed the Bible, got other stuff in my mind, just about ready to head out of the room, and I think, wait a minute, sit back down there, open that Bible, and you get something out of that. There's something always in every chapter that you want to read. You just have to discipline yourself to do a little digging and, dare I say, a little thinking and a little praying. And sometimes I will not allow myself to get up and go until I've got a nugget, you might say, to take with me. Some truth that's meaningful uh, that I might even share with someone along the way. So I had to do 30 minutes worth of that in this psalm, and I'm really glad I did. This is a great psalm. Let's read the first verse. Praise the Lord. There I told you, first three words. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. It is good to sing praises to the Lord. It is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Once before I was married, I was uh, uh, in my, uh, I don't know, somewhere in my later 20s, and I was uh, driving somewhere on a, I believe it was in August, and uh, August is about my favorite month, by the way, I'll tell you sometime later, but uh, why, <clears throat> but uh, I was driving uh, to Bancroft. Anybody know where Bancroft is in Hastings County up north of Peterborough? I was driving up to visit my cousin and to stay for a week at his cottage, really looking forward to water skiing and fishing and burgers and all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, it was uh, getting dusk. I had just, uh, I'd, I'd driven from Guelph. I just left Peterborough. I was on Highway 28 North, heading for Bancroft. It's about an hour drive from Peterborough to Bancroft. And, uh, and I, uh, you're getting out of radio range when you get up in that area sometimes. And I thought to myself, well, 
Uh, I've got, I'm just by myself in the car. Maybe I should do some praying. I didn't pray much today. And so I started praying as I was driving. And after about three minutes, I ran out of gas. Not the car, me. Uh, I just wasn't in the mood for praying. That ever happened to you? I know it does. And so uh, it was almost as if I heard a little voice inside me say, well, why don't you just, don't give up. Why don't you just thank God? Thank him and praise him as you drive. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Glad I thought of that. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, I started driving. I mean, I continued driving and I started thanking God. And I thanked him for my salvation and I thanked him for Jesus and the gift that he is and, and for the cross and the resurrection and, and the Holy Spirit and, and uh, the Bible. Yeah, and, and I was running out of gas again. And, uh, and I thought, well, I tried, but this voice inside me said, why don't you persevere? Why don't you not give up so quickly? Use your brain that you've got to think about life and all the things that you could praise God for. Surely there's an hour's worth in there somewhere. I thought, a whole hour? Okay. And I began to thank God more thoroughly and more extensively for all kinds of things in my life that I was thankful for. Uh, my parents, my family, the church I was raised in where I heard the gospel, many good friends who I've had in my life and have touched my life and some I still are good friends in my life. Thank God uh, for, for all kinds of things. And then I was sort of reaching a kind of a, kind of thinking hard, you know, and, <clears throat> and I saw the hydro poles whizzing by on the sidewalks. So I, I thought, I'm going to thank God for electricity and running water and highways, and <clears throat> I thanked him for all the conveniences that are in life. Where would we be without some of these things? These are wonderful gifts that we take for granted. I thanked him for all those things. I thanked him for Canada, for our government, for, for uh, just, just creation all around me, and I could go on and on. But before I knew it, I was in Bancroft, <clears throat> a little tired from working so hard to thank him, but very refreshed. It was like some clean water had just washed a lot of stuff, toxins out of my life. And, and giving thanks is good for you. It's a healthy, spiritually healthy human thing to do. And uh, so I tell you that story because I think that the psalmist who gave us Psalm 147 must have been riding on a donkey from Jericho to Jerusalem and he had a couple of hours to kill and he wrote Psalm 120, 147 because his prayers and his thanks and his praise are kind of like mine, all over the map. He starts out and he thanks God for Jerusalem and, and the way that God has dealt with their nation. And then he's thanking God for the stars and how God counts the stars. And then he thanks God for how God cares for the broken and the little and the humble people. And then he thanks God for, uh, for uh, uh, Jerusalem a little bit more and for the people that God turns to and takes pleasure in. And then he starts thanking God for hills and grass, and rain, and cattle, and ravens, and, and snow, and ice, and all kinds of stuff in his word. It's just everywhere. Let's read it. Psalm 147. <clears throat> praise the Lord. It is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. 
The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow in the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, to those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. There we have it. A few words about praise. Praise is a beautiful thing. He says, and he begins here, he says, it's good to praise, it's pleasant, and it's fitting, it's appropriate. Uh, Sometimes to not praise would be very inappropriate. It's time to praise. And uh, and so uh, one person has said that uh, praise is uh, an overflow of positive feeling true. Praise is always positive, always. Uh, Praise is, another person has said, a glowing of the soul. I like that. Praise is gladness and gratitude expressed. Expressed is important because you might feel good about God, but it's not praise until you say it, until you express it. Practical word here for us in our relationships, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to kids, kids to parents, friends to friends. You might feel good about your friend. You might feel very positive about your wife. Have you told her lately? It's not praise until it's expressed. And the expression of it completes the process. Who knows what you're thinking inside? Who knows all the wonderful glowing thoughts you have towards your children? Tell them. Express your praise, it's important, and then it becomes meaningful, and it becomes a shared thing. The great Christian author and writer, C.S. Lewis, back in the 1930s and the 1940s in England, of course, he wrote the Narnia series and also uh, Mere Christianity and other excellent books, very thoughtful books about Christian faith. He uh, wrote a little book about the Psalms called Reflections on the Psalms. Just a little book, 100 and some pages. It's very good. In it, he asks a question because he noticed in the Psalms that God commands us and exhorts us many times to praise him. And so Lewis asked the almost unaskable question, does God have a problem? here's, Here's God in heaven, looking down at his creature saying, come on, praise me, praise me. You, you praise me, come on, praise me. You guys need to praise me, praise the Lord. Come on, that's me, the pray, you know. Does he have an ego problem? Is his self-esteem running a little low? You know, like there's people down there that don't believe in me. And there's somebody over there even blasphemed and I'm feeling kind of bad about myself. Come on, praise me, help me out here. No, none of those, not at all, not even close. God doesn't need our praise. We need to praise. 
C.S. Lewis said, we praise that which we enjoy the most. Are you enjoying God? Or are you putting up with him? Heaven's going to be an awful long, boring time if you're just putting up with God. Someone else has said, we praise what we prize. And the call and the command to praise God is really a command to take a look into my own soul and to ask myself, what have I been prizing lately? What have, where, where, where have my affections been going? What have I been enjoying most in life? What have I been pouring out my praise upon? And is it worthy of my praise? The supreme being is worthy of our supreme praises. And God commands us because it's the right thing to do. It's also a healthy thing to do, to praise him because he's perfect. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent, all-present. He's infinite <clears throat> and eternal. He's total spirit. He's worthy of our praise. Question, then, is it wrong to praise things on earth? Is it wrong to express some praise for more mundane things in my everyday life? Example, uh, got a new car and you can't stop talking about it. Your, your son just got a scholarship at university and you're, you've been praising him and talking about him to your friends and and, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe it's just the, 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 the cheeseburger and the fresh corn that you had last night, like, wow, man, that was great, woo, and the apple pie. <clears throat> back, in, uh, back in June, the whole country was praising the Toronto Raptors in their quest for the NBA championship, and I was one of them. I hope it wasn't a sin, <laughs> or I'm in trouble, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, their, their leader, of course, was Kawhi Leonard. I told Zach, my son, you know, if you ever have another child and it's a son, you're naming him Kawhi Leonard Fairchild. <laughs> Father has spoken. And as Kawhi now has left Toronto, that's off, all right? Not, not necessary. But is it wrong to, to express praise for everyday things in life? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We see them as gifts. They're gifts. The sunsets, the food, the, 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 my car, maybe not my car, but uh, <laughs> well, my car's okay. But, uh, you know, our children, these are gifts, but gifts come from a giver. And it is wrong to never praise the giver. It's totally wrong. And that's why we're commanded, don't forget that, praise the Lord. So that's a, that's a, that's a good thought. As we enjoy life, Someone has said we, we're expressing our praise like music uh, to, to things more on the horizontal level, but then we transpose the music to a higher level and our eyes go to God. That's cool. That's healthy. Really important. We praise what we prize. Someone has said that the praise of God is could kind of be likened to a wood stove. Picture a pot-bellied wood stove, fire crackling and burning inside, maybe it's even glowing a little bit in the dark, radiating beautiful heat out on a cold winter night. So think of the elements that make up this phenomenon of the wood stove. You've got the stove, first of all, that contains all the action. 
perhaps that's us, the church, right? We, 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 we're, we're, we contain, or it's just you, the individual, your own heart, our collective hearts. Uh, but to, uh, you won't have a fire if you don't have fuel in your wood stove. And that fuel won't burn if there's not oxygen. That's why the stove has a draft in it, you know, that lets the air flow through and <clears throat> gets you a good blazing hot fire going. And then as the uh, oxygen combines with the fuel, uh, there's combustion and out comes the warmth and the heat and the light. It's, 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 we've been doing this for a long time. What's the oxygen? It's been proposed that the oxygen is the Holy Spirit. We could sing songs and read songs and read scripture till the cows come home, and if the Holy Spirit doesn't light it on fire, there's no praise. And we need him to be present, and we need to treasure his presence and ask him to light our hearts on fire so that there is warmth and that it's meaningful and there's real spiritual connection happening here in our lives. That's important. But the fuel, I think, is something else. The spirit has to have something to light on fire, right? The fuel. And so I would suggest three possibilities for the fuel. Number one, the word of God, scripture, truth, God's revealed truth to us. And sometimes all you have to do is just open up the word and read something. And if there's faith in your heart that believes and connects with that something that you read and the spirit is operative in your life, praise happens. Jen read to us at the beginning of the service about... uh, about the, the, the Lord, uh, he, he, he hasn't forgotten us, it says. Uh, and, and he cares for the weary. And when we're weak and when we're stumbling, he gives you fresh strength. And those who hope in the Lord will gain new strength. They will run like, they will r- fly like eagles and walk. It's a good verse. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it really is. But uh, you, uh, that, that's fuel. And when the spirit combines with the fuel, you go, Wow, that's great. I needed that. And we praise. Another source of fuel is, uh, is uh, nature and creation all around us. The creation of the creator. And, and we, we look at the sunsets and mountains and rivers and valleys and, and deserts and all the aspects of the creator and we marvel. And, and even if you do a little reading about how it all works, you know, it's amazing. And we turn to praise the source. We don't believe it happened by random chance and accident. Third source of fuel is your story. You ever traced your story? You ever thought through your life? Been reflective a little bit? I've been doing that more and more. Maybe it's because I'm getting old, but uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, I, I, I trace the path and I see God's good hand in my life. It's, it's wonderful. I see people, I see the parents that I had, the church I was in, the friends that I had, I see where I went astray. I saw things that happened in my life that things I wouldn't have chosen, but God chose them for me and they were absolutely the right thing at the right time. I see people came into my life, people spoke words to me. My sister gave me a book to read once that that helped change my life. I mean, just all these, you, you trace the paths and every one of them you stop for a moment and you praise God because it's him. And that is fuel for the fire. There's a, a, a songwriter, worship leader named Matt Redmond, Redmond uh, from the UK. Uh, he either pastors a church or he leads worship in that church. And back in the 90s and the early 2000s, we sang more of his songs. But uh, <clears throat> one day he became concerned that the church as it worshiped and as it praised God was uh, just going through the motions. 
okay, let's sing number 59, and they sang the song, and turn over now and we sing the next song, and we get used to them, and we're doing it all by rote, just by repetition, but we're thinking about other things while we worship. <clears throat> We've all done it, I've done it all the time. And so he was concerned, and he thought, let's see if we can worship God without music. And so the next Sunday when the people came into the church, there, was, there were no instruments. The stage was bare. No drums, no mics, no guitars, nothing. People were wondering what's going on here. A little bit of a buzz in the crowd. Church started. Pastor Matt got up and said, well, we're going to do something different this morning. We're going to worship and praise God this morning. Isn't that great? But we're going to not have any music. Just going to leave it up to you. You're the congregation. You're the people. You're, you're the worshipers. So worship. And he sat down. Rather awkward silence for a while. What's, what's he want us to do? If we don't sing, I mean, how can we worship? How can we praise God? Finally, some brave fellow stood up. By the way, I didn't read this part. I know he did that, but I don't know how. He, apparently it was good. I'm speculating on what might have happened. And so here's something that might have happened. A fellow stands up, clears his throat, taps the mic, puts this thing on, and, uh, and, he, and he says... Uh, well, I, let's just share with you. I'm not a preacher, but I was reading in my Bible this morning, and, and, uh, and, and he shares a verse. You know, uh, um, <clears throat> maybe it was the Isaiah 40 passage, which I was reading there, which was read to us. And he said, I was just thinking, he says, actually, that was very, very true in my life this week. I was at a low ebb, and God gave me strength and helped me to put one foot in front of another, and pretty soon I was, I was running. And, and I just like, just like to praise God for showing me that because it's true in my life. And everybody goes, hmm, yeah, amen, amen. Another silence. Somebody else stands up and they say, uh, I was in my, uh, that was the word, this is creation. I was in my garden this week uh, just, you know, picking lettuce and, and uh, I saw the bees pollinating flowers and helping things to germinate. I looked up at the clouds that bring rain and the sun that brings warmth and the sunlight that hits the green leaves and photosynthesis and produces energy and makes things grow. And I wondered at how a little seed could produce, you know, a big tall stalk of corn. And they're going on and on and they're thinking, this morning I'll just add my praise for the creator and the way he's designed the world, the way he makes it work. It's amazing. And everybody goes, mm, that's really good. It's really good. Somebody else pops up a minute later and and they say, I've been thinking about how God has had his hand on my life. And they tell the story, all the stops and the twists and the turns along the way and the high points and the low points, but how it's all working out. And they'll say, I don't know how I'm a Christian and I don't know how I'm even here this morning, but I am. I praise God. Did they worship that morning? They did. I'm not suggesting ever that we don't sing songs. I love singing. And I love the songs we sing. But I am challenging you and me that we don't just go through it uh, by, by mere repetition without spirit-led thought and contemplation and meditation as we worship. And I also challenge you that you've got to have something going on with the Lord all week long, okay? You've got to be in his word, meditating on him. Don't just come to church and expect that that will be the sum total of your spiritual life. 
Get into the word and walk with God through the week. And when you come to church, if we have a power failure and we can't sing songs, the congregation will take care of the worship. No problem. Tell us your stories. Praise is fitting. It's becoming and it's healthy for people to do. Three things to close down here. <clears throat> Just want to draw your attention to three verses that I think are really good. First one is uh, the one about the stars. Verse four. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Hmm. First of all, the number of the stars. Back in their day, it is said that with the naked eye, you can distinguish about 3,000 stars in the sky. I don't know, I've never counted them. But that God determines the number of the stars and calls them all by name. That's a good thought. That's nice. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, that's great. It's got a lot of stars. They had no idea. No idea in those days how many stars there really are. With the invention a few hundred years ago of the telescope, primitive at first. And now we've got the Hubble Space Telescope up there peering deep into the deep spaces of the universe, discovering not only more stars, but galaxies full and blooming with stars. They say now it's only an estimate that the number of stars is in the order of 10 to the 24th. That's one with the 24 zeros behind it. I like numbers and I like big numbers. And you might not understand the size of 10 to the 24th, but I do. And I'm going to run a class sometime and invite you to come and, and I'll, what's the matter, Sue? <laughs> I, want, I want you there in the front row, okay? I'll teach you how big those numbers are and what they mean. It's amazing, amazing. He's got them all counted, number one. And not only that, has them named. <laughs> like, we've got our star named, right? The sun. And then there's also Alpha Centauri. That's the nearest star out there. And, uh, and uh, there might be a few others. After a while, astronomers run out of nice names, so they start giving them letters in like NJ279. That, oh, that's, that's a nice name for a star. God has really personal names for all the stars. 10 to the 24th. So my point here, what is my point? It's that he knows you. He knows your name. There's only 8 billion of us. In overall of history, probably less than 10 billion. That's a lot less than 10 to the 24th. He's, he's got your number. <clears throat> he knows your name. He knows every thought you've ever thought. He knows all about you. He, he's, he's read you perfectly. And it says he loves us. He loves us just for who we are. That's an amazing, wonderful thing. So go from the stars to, the, to, this, to, to God's knowledge of you and me. But the second amazing thing here, and this is what makes Christianity outrageous, it's either silly or it's profoundly important. But that that God once lay in a manger. Is that outrageous? Or is it profoundly important? Not only that, but that God once hung on a cross with your sins and my sins on him, on sullying his soul. And he was paying for our sins and that is the message of Christianity. He's paid for your sins. He knows all your sins. But grace says he took them and pays for them <clears throat> and invites you to meet him at the foot of the cross and be saved. 
be cleansed and be forgiven and experience his grace. That's, as I said, that's either foolishness or we better get on our knees quick. It's important, all important. The next verse to look at is the one about the brokenhearted. Notice in verse two, it talks about the outcasts of Israel. Verse three, brokenhearted. Verse three again, binds up their wounds, the wounded. Verse six, the Lord lifts up the humble or the afflicted in another translation. (coughs) And this is the the God who, who knows and names all the stars and is that big and that omnipotent also is that intimate that he can draw near to the brokenhearted of which no doubt in a a group this size, there are people here who are broken, who are struggling with very hard times. Once once in my life, when I was younger, I was in a church service and I'd just come through a very difficult experience. It left me broken for a time, I was weeping. And I went to church, and church went on. I don't know if I heard a word. And everybody got up at the end of the service, and they were shaking hands and greeting one another and leaving, and and I continued to sit in my seat wherever I was, just sort of almost in another world. And uh, and then I became aware of a a presence beside me, and I I turned, and there was a a guy sitting there uh, who I knew but not very well about my age, and he said, good morning, John, how, how are you doing? And I said, not so good. He said, what's up? And I told him briefly what had been going on in my life. And <clears throat> I just was aware that he was looking at me. And then he said, could I read, could I read a, a verse to you from Psalm 34? And I said, uh, sure, go ahead. So this is what he, I wonder, what's it going to be? <clears throat> And he started reading. It says, the righteous cry, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Silence for a moment, and then he said, John, he's with you. He's, you're brokenhearted today, but he's close to you. Don't forget that. And I never have. Psalm 34, 18. It's beautiful when scripture becomes so alive like that because it connects to real events in your life. It's near to the brokenhearted, the humble, the afflicted, the outcasts. All those words are in our psalm here. That's a reason to praise the Lord. Good reason. Lastly, verse 10 and 11. Steve taught us last week about Hebrew poetry and he said it's usually the middle two verses of the, of the poem, the psalm that really the attention is going to. So we'll just read them. These are other whole sermons here. But verse 10 says, His delight, God's delight, is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his pleasure in the legs of a man. And those things represent the things that we usually trust in, right? Back in those days, a lot of horses meant a big, strong army. Hey, we're, you know, we're macho. We, we can handle anything. And the legs of a man represent the strength of a man, a strong, like an NFL lineman, you know, like really strong. And and so in in life, we admire 
and we look to and admire and give credence to uh, power and uh, people who are really intelligent, really smart, really strong, really athletic, really rich, really gifted. And it says here, that's not, that's not God's delight. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Wow. In those who hope in his steadfast love. I love this because an important word in our society today is the word inclusive. And God is so inclusive. He just opens the door wide and says, anybody, anybody and everybody, come. You don't have to be rich, don't have to be smart, don't have to be strong, don't have to be handsome, beautiful, gifted in any way. All you have to do is just reverence me, trust me, look to me, something that anybody can do. Worship team, please come to the front. That's a reason to praise God. The door is open for anybody and everybody. So this morning, as we wrap up here, perhaps, perhaps you are like I have been many times, just kind of growing stale in my praise, or I'm just kind of going through the motions, and that's not honoring to God when we just go through the motions. So let's... Uh, Let's sort of reboot and praise God as he is worthy of being praised. Uh, can we praise God as he is worthy of being praised? No, we'll, we'll never get it right, but we can aim for it. Let's just aim for it and lock arms and turn our faces to him. Uh, maybe the words of C.S. Lewis are for you this morning and that the call and the command to praise is a command to look inward and say, what's going on in my own heart and what have I been giving my praises to lately? and then to reorder my inner world so that God is everything. And all of the gifts that I love in life, I do, in the end, see the giver and thank him the most. So let's be people that praise God and that let's be like a wood stove, casting out warmth and light and drawing others to our great God.